See, now you've ruined your like your typical surprise intro. I was trying really hard not to say anything because usually Hey everyone, welcome to the Function Call show. This is your host Austin Gill coming at you with Grant gliding through your DMs. Glide well. I was dreading that. Hello, I'm Grant. <laughs> Hello. It's a recurring thing now. My absolute shame <laughs> in hearing you say that, yes. Yeah, yeah. And AJ, bet you can't guess his first name, Zane. That's me. Yeah. Little known fact, for uh, for several years, I actually didn't know what AJ's legal name was. It's AJ. And he wouldn't tell me. That's how I like so it. So if you can guess it, we'll, uh, we'll send you the first round of, well, a sticker from the first round that we get. Which we don't have. Ooh, stickers. I thought you were going to say my firstborn, so. (laughs) Your first, yeah. We'll send you AJ's firstborn. Um, So, uh, Grant. Yes. Let me ask you something. What do you call a restaurant with no waiters? I know it. Oh, okay. I don't know it. (laughs) Um... (laughs) This sounds like a really weird not joke. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Or I'll just tell you. Yeah, tell me. No, I know it. It's a vending machine. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're talking vending machines today. Is that right? Uh, <laughs> we're talking serverless. Oh, oh, God. How did I miss that? I completely <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I thought you were. I thought you were faking. <laughs> yeah, you can't fake that level yeah. of stupid. It's just no. baked right in there. We're, wow. We are talking serverless today. So um, serverless, I think, is uh, it's a topic that gets it's picking up some speed. Uh, it's getting pretty popular in some places. There's been some backlash against it as well. I think some people probably don't know exactly what serverless is and usually um you know the immediate answer is oh there's no servers and then the immediate answer to that is there's always a server somewhere right so serverless um to kind of sum it up serverless is essentially your code your functions that run somewhere in the cloud on someone else's server so it's a server that you don't provision yourself you don't uh manage like have to bring up and maintain things like that. You just write your functions and then you deploy it to some provider and they run it for you on demand. Uh, and I'm using the word functions. It's actually not not um, just functions. Serverless, you can, you can consider things like uh, disk storage. So for example, um, we'll probably use AWS in a lot of these examples because I think they're probably the leading provider, although there's a lot of options out there, a lot, a lot catching up. But um, examples of some serverless things that they offer is their Lambda functions, is their serverless cloud compute. Uh, they also have S3 buckets, which is like file storage. And you can think of that as essentially like an infinite, an infinitely sized sort of disk space. Um, what do you guys think about that? I agree. Uh, yeah, I think so, um, maybe AWS too has been really pushing this for the longest. Like, um, which has put them in a really good position to be an example of different types of serverless features. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of the providers out there are are really just wrappers over, you know, AWS services anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, like I'm 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 looking through our list of providers and I'm thinking like I know at least. At the very least, one of these probably like three or four of them are are not uh, their their own thing. Um, that said, this is much like you know the conversation around the cloud, where it's like eh, it's out there uh, on basically just somebody else's computer, and and like it, it's funny that we're just so at naming things, right? Like we 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 name something the cloud uh, or cloud computing, where you know it just lives somewhere else. 
Um, and it's more like this conceptual thing than the reality of what it is. And as engineers, I, I think that rubs a lot of us the wrong way. And, and serverless um, as, as a concept kind of uh, uh, has, has that same selly tone to it um, where like, <laughs> you know, the idea is you don't have to set up and maintain a server, um, which is great, but it's, it's not exactly serverless. There is a server. Uh, and there's evidence in that anytime you write this, like <laughs> you can tell like what framework they're having you work within by how they uh, kind of set up the, uh, the documentation or the, um, their, their node package and, and how you interact with it. So it's, it's interesting, but there's definitely like this terminology disconnect that, that I have to kind of get over when I hear this stuff. <laughs> A little chip on the shoulder there. I have those. <laughs> <laughs> so um some some common like terms or concepts used with serverless are going to be like functions as a service for example um and this idea of like infinitely scalable where i'll use air quotes for that the biggest um, air quotes <laughs> yeah we'll get into we'll get into why um those are some big air quotes but you know the the at the very least, we can say that there's not an infinite level of compute in the world. So you're going to hit realistic uh, barriers. So, but for the most part, you know, you have things like AWS that are, or Amazon that really eat their own dog food on these products that they provide and are able to, I think they would be an example of probably the top level of scalability, you know, the top example of scale. Um, so if it works for them, it probably works for my crummy little, you know, two visits a day app. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you, know, you know I'm thinking about scalability before mm -hmm. I'm getting my first customer. <laughs> so we talked about AWS. Um, you guys want to go into some of the, the providers that um, offer these serverless uh, features? Uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. So we've got we've got AWS, uh, we've got Google Cloud, uh, 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 which is super cool. Uh, GCP is uh, a product that they offer. So GCP is actually interesting because they have like two types of serverless compute. Um, they have, I know because I'm just getting into this at work, but they have cloud functions which are like Lambda functions, but then they also have this. In really interesting service that I'm, I'm having trouble wrapping my head around, which is Cloud Run. And what Cloud Run does is it relies on you deploying your own Docker container that is then run serverlessly. So it's like you write your app, you containerize it inside of Docker, you put that up on a registry, and then you tell Google, hey, go and run this thing serverlessly, which to me is like, okay, I can understand functions serverless functions but serverless like docker containers is just if you know if anyone that's listening if you know please explain that to me because that's a bit beyond my scope that's yeah that's interesting is that their terminology like we will run your docker container serverlessly so cloud run is a is a it's a like clearly branded as a serverless service and in order to deploy you have to containerize your whatever it is. So we've got like a node, an express application. And I put it in a Docker okay. container and I send that Docker container to the cloud. And then I tell the cloud, hey, please deploy this as a serverless like cloud run app. So this like immediately brings up questions for me, uh, which is what is the difference? Uh, you've already got this in a container. What's the difference between deploying that container in a regular uh, environment that accepts uh, containers of that sort and running it that way versus this cloud run. Uh, what, what is it providing for you? Well, I think, um, I think when we talk about the pros and cons, uh, we'll get into like why you might want to do that. Okay. Okay. So I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Some other so, things. Yeah, There's sorry, I, der I derailed us, but yeah, we can get back into like what different <laughs> providers there are. Mm -hmm. Well, it just it sounded 
really rad. And then immediately I'm like, but wait, what's the real deal yeah. here? So like, I, okay. I really, what, uh, what is putting the less into server less? But I think pros and cons yeah. most likely come up. Um, okay. I was gonna say Azure, uh, being Microsoft backed, it's also huge, lots of features. Personally, I don't have much experience with any of the serverless platforms, but I knew though that since uh, VS Code is Microsoft, there's lots of integrations of getting your Lambda functions to kind of pulled down onto your local and then pushed right back up through VS Code tooling, which is very cool. Yeah, they're, the whole, like the fact that they control, I don't want to say control, the fact <laughs> that they're like so ingrained into the whole like developer stack is a really good move on their part. Mm-hmm. And I think also uh, probably is a good thing, you know, it, it's not always good when one person is in charge of everything because then you have kind of a monopoly, mm-hmm. but it is, it does bring good things I've seen good things come out of Microsoft being so involved in the entire stack because you just have um, a ton of fluidity from writing your code to deploying it or to like putting it on a repo and get hosting it and then deploying to NPM and then Mm -hmm. deploying. I haven't used Azure, but I imagine like going from writing your code to deploying it is probably really slick. Yep, it is. Yeah, my experience with Azure is like very out of date, but I'm super curious considering their involvement with GitHub at this point. Yeah. How, and and the features that they've brought to GitHub have been very well received and are amazing. Right. Um, I'm wondering how until we you know are able to pull back the curtain and these are all actually running on Azure and like we've been fooled this whole time. So we <laughs> pull the mask off and. You meddling kids. Yeah, you were Bill Gates the whole time. <laughs> and he's like, what? I'm doing this and curing diseases. Like, there's nothing wrong here. <laughs> but you're still mad at me. <laughs> Poor Bill. Yeah. What's next? I was going to... I think it's funny. Um, I don't want to get too political, but... do. You, do y'all think Bill Gates is trying to um, come up with vaccines to put robots in people? Why not? That sounds awesome. If, if, <laughs> if Bill Gates yeah. wanted to rule the world, he would have made an Iron Man suit by now. And then he'd be set. Yeah. yeah. Iron Man doesn't rule the world. But Tony Stark could. He wanted to. But he know. just needs enough like, ego feeding to to like satiate his his like desires and then he's fine. Like he doesn't need to rule the world. He doesn't have that same like desire, but no, like Bill Gates is fine. Like leave the guy alone. He's chill. (laughs) I saw, um, I saw a Reddit thread of like around Christmas time about like Redditors that buy each other gifts in a certain channel or whatever. Oh yeah, dude. Reddit. Yeah. 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 It's like a cool thing. Some girl got um, Bill Gates as her, like, secret Santa. What? And just got, like, yeah, just got, like, a jackpot of, like, Pusheen stuff, <laughs> like, a, a huge stuffed cat. And uh, <laughs> it was really interesting. It's really cute to see. Okay. I'm going to be honest right now. If I got Bill Gates as my secret Santa and I got a giant stuffed cat, I'd be so disappointed. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> How no, she, like, it was cute. It was really cute. She like said uh, all, right. all these things that she's interested in, and he like I think he totally nailed it. All right, that's it was cool. It was cool. That's adorable. Yeah, <laughs> it's cute. I just I just picture like I really hope Bill Gates picked it out himself and didn't have like a secretary go and like you know like he actually goes yeah. in person to the Pusheen store <laughs> and was like squishing giant Pusheens like no oh, this one's not quite right. It's like oh yeah this is the perfect Pusheen. Okay, I have to look up Pusheen. <laughs> <laughs> it's that cat. It's like uh, oh yeah, it's the, it's yeah, the, the weird the like squishy, animated. Fluffy, it's the cat. It's the not cat, really yeah. Nan cat. cat. No. Okay. Much less Pop Tart. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I got us on. All right, to, yeah, that was uh, that was nice. a tangent. Uh, yeah. Good. So what you're saying is Lambda functions are Pusheen cats. Yes. Yeah. So we're talking Bill Gates <laughs> and. Uh, today. I think it makes sense. Mm. I think the connection yeah. is strong. 
so the agreed the only other two like serverless providers that I have experience with we have this whole like list of serverless providers and most of them are blank um, like nobody wants to claim or or describe their experience with these because there's a lot out there um, even Tencent like Tencent games uh, that gigantic uh, evil company that owns way more of the planet than you think um, I had no idea that they had like cloud functions. It totally makes sense because um, they have everything. But Vercel uh, or Versal is this like? Are, are they like Universal? Uh, but they're just cutting off the the Uni part, and it's just Versal. Uh, I don't know. But they changed their name from Zite, and it makes me very sad. Zite and Netlify functions are both things that I have uh, experience with. Netlify functions are a wrapper over AWS functions, so. Great. Uh, like that makes them pretty easy. Um, if you know how to do AWS functions, you can do Netlify functions. They are able to kind of uh, clip into some other uh, like CI harnesses that they have and uh, like behaviors that are unique to Netlify. So there's like some cool stuff that you can do with them, like uh, dealing with form data in them and whatnot. Um, and then uh, Vercel. They're, as far as I understand it, just straight up cloud functions. Uh, they're very easy to work with from my experience. Um, I actually had a lot of trouble implementing a Netlify function, and so I just wrote it and threw it up on Zite and like had that running in production for six months before I was able to get something actually in Netlify. Um, that, that was uh, an interesting experience, wow. um, but I did end up getting it all under the Netlify umbrella or... Uh, before that project was totally finished. Do we want to talk about difficulty diving in right now or save that for later? Mm. I have um, a couple comments to make on the on the providers. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Still. Yeah. So, um, yeah, actually, Grant, you made a, a really good point about the Vercel and Netlify thing being hosted on AWS because technically, you know, that, that really just means that AWS is the provider and there's a whole bunch of companies, like you said, that are spinning up um, or, or wrapping around providing serverless functions and just like actually deploying on the AWS infrastructure. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Vercel is, uh, they're either their own uh, provider, their own host, or they are uh, GCP backed. I don't know which is true. You know, One of those you know, two, but actually, they're, not, they're not AWS, I know that. That's a good point. I think actually Vercel and maybe Netlify kind of do the same thing, in fact, where they will have an infrastructure around the main providers, so GCP, Azure, AWS, and just be like, you know, they can, I think, I think they do that to um, avoid downtime and maybe mm -hmm. also optimize for cost, right? Because if I have... Um, pricing that's like I can I can have like a million invocations with AWS and a million with GCP before I hit like a pricing the next pricing tier or whatever mm. I can actually split like two million requests if I split it between two I don't know maybe okay um, but yeah the last the last provider that is definitely a provider um, it, that I want to talk about is Cloudflare workers. Oh, so Cloudflare so workers are super cool. Um, they're they're very different than these other providers because Cloudflare has like traditionally. I, I don't know. I kind of think of Cloudflare as a CDN first, and then they've um, moved out into providing a lot of other services. So yeah, Cloudflare workers are really interesting because traditionally um, I've always thought of Cloudflare as kind of a, a CDN or maybe they got you know their name as a CDN and then they started adopting more services that they would provide. So they, they've had the, uh, the web application firewall for a long time. They have DNS service, which is like, well, I think you have to use the DNS for anything else. Um, they have like page rules. They have a bunch of security stuff. They have a whole suite of things. And one of the most recent things that they added is is Cloudflare Workers, which are um, environments that can run your code. But these are different than AWS or GCP 
they're serverless, but AWS and GCP, uh, you'll you still tell it what region to run your code in, or what what region to accept requests and run your functions. And Cloudflare workers will actually deploy your code to all of their um, CDN locations, which is like 152 or something like that around the world. So, where AWS, you might say, I want you know my my region to be US West one or whatever. Uh, traffic still has to go from let's say Singapore all the way to San Francisco or wherever US West one is, and you know then back to Singapore. But if you're using Cloudflare workers, traffic uh, Cloudflare will identify the nearest. CDN location and send their traffic to that function and back, uh, which is super cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they have their own set of challenges with, uh, which we'll get to into like the pros and cons stuff. But uh, it's a really cool product worth worth keeping an eye on. Wait, but it could do so much more than that. It can do so much more than that. Well, go for it. So, but like, <laughs> it, it's, it, these things are so amazing because they live like in a different place. They they live in front of your server. They live in front of your product, so they can like direct traffic in specific ways uh, that that like normal uh, cloud functions. Like you would never deploy a cloud function to direct traffic, but you can you can with this product have specific rules set up and uh, like construct a user experience out of these things from my understanding um, in, in a way uh, where, where it can live, uh, I believe, in front of a CDN. Um, so it can change the behavior of the CDN. So like its position in the request chain being as unique as it is makes it super powerful. Um, and I think uh, I had seen a use case for them for uh, building or uh, like a build or cache images uh, in front of a CDN um, for for like a, an image processing platform that I'm forgetting the name of right now. Um, but like I, from what I understood, they they were leveraging Cloudflare workers to do this. I think it was. Yeah, they can do they can do a bunch. I mean, I I, I would be down to do a, a show just on Cloudflare workers because I think that. We're, we're kind of batching them into this like serverless conversation today, but they really are uh, by their nature of being deployed at all of the CDNs that Cloudflare has around the world, they're fundamentally different. Yeah, they're super cool, and I want to learn more about them, and uh, I'm clearly excited about them. <laughs> yeah, so we should do a project. Let's, let's calm me down and move on with something that's <laughs> more relevant. Um, cool. So, uh, yeah, AJ, you want to get into like some of the pros or sure. cons? Yeah. Um, and feel free to stop me whenever I just might ramble. So what's really cool is that you're paying per use, not for idle time. So unlike a typical hosting solution where you're kind of renting out a slice of a box, um, your serverless functions are only charged for when they need to run, um, which makes them incredibly cheap and doesn't come at the cost of having to wait for it to like spin up, go through all the kind of application startup stuff. Um, they can turn on and off really quickly. So what does is, is that, right? what does cheap mean? Let me jump in here for a second. Like, cause yeah. mm -hmm. you know, if I'm going to pay, uh, you know, hosting services and like, I've got a domain for, you know, 25 bucks a year or something like that. And, you know, like my, my monthly cost for my personal website where like six people go to it a month. Like what are we what are we looking at uh, to do that? I mean, are we looking at like just a few more dollars or like 10 bucks a month or sell that's me on good, this? That's <laughs> Let me bring up a pricing page of, one of these. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but I, it's it's kind of like coming down to scale and stuff, right? So if you are paying for a monthly charge, and let's say it's a very localized application for like, let's say Southern California lunch spots, that's gonna get all its use from like 11 to 1 p.m. weekdays, right? Um, versus, and then all the rest of the time you're still paying for the server and the compute and the memory and everything, and it's kind of going to waste. Um, yeah. That's my yeah. take. 
like to, to, a very small percentage uh, of what it would cost to to like run a server to do this stuff. Like it it could it could significantly right. cut costs. Mm-hmm. And I, th- the, I think it it actually depends because. Um, the thing that's really nice about, like, let's say a DigitalOcean droplet is, like, you know that it's going to cost you $5 a month whether you have one user or, you know, a million users, assuming mm-hmm. that, the, that the server can, can handle that traffic. And, and that's, a big, um, that's a big discussion point as well. But with, with Lambda, the pricing is, or I say Lambda, with serverless functions, um, the pricing is is difficult to figure out uh, because they'll usually give you some number of invocations a month for free. And then after that, you'll pay some fraction of a penny per request. But when you say you have six users come to your website, well, that's not necessarily representative of six requests, right? Mm -hmm. Because one user could go to your homepage and then your homepage has to make a request for the homepage content and then maybe you have like a list of blog posts and you have to go and make that request and you know it depends on how like all of those requests are different um and then i think they also have some there's also some that are that have pricing based on the amount of data that's sent back and forth so Hmm. um if you have like really, really large payloads, then that's either going in or coming out, then that could affect your pricing. Um, if you have uh, very long compute times, so they, you know, when you, when I think of serverless functions, I usually think of something that like goes and comes back right away. But if you have something that's like a long running function, then you may have to pay for something like that differently. Um, and then there's a whole, there's a whole, bunch of variables when it comes to pricing and that's kind of in the the list of cons where it's like how much is it going to cost me is really a question that you can't answer yeah you find out at the end of the month well don't get ahead of us now (laughs) (laughs) um but in in parallel that's an interesting point where like let's say you have your one server and then all of a sudden someone writes an article about your app and it goes super famous on product hunts now all of that traffic is coming right to your server. You're going to have to scale it up. It's probably going to crash during that time. You're, you're going to be on fire. Whereas with serverless functions, you can start getting this, quote, infinitely scalable situation where just more instances of your functions are spun up. But again, who knows how much that will cost until it's done. Yeah, yeah. And that pricing could, like, you know, burn a hole into your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> Do, you, do a lot of these services have caps? Be like, I never want to pay more than $20 a month for this. So I've seen good- warnings. I've seen emails mm-hmm. where like you can set up some sort of warning. I think this was uh, with Zite or Versal. Mm-hmm. Um, they would allow you to uh, kind of put, put that in place. Like you're getting close to, for me, it'd be like $5, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you're getting close to $5 <laughs> in invocations. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to go immediately and check traffic on my piddly little site. Like, <laughs> who has gone to this, and why are they trying to charge me money? Yeah. That's really funny, because, like, if your budget is $5, if you're working on a side project and your budget is, like, $5, and you know that that's what your budget is, then it's serverless functions might not make sense, right? Like, if you're going to say... It's not worth setting up the 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 warnings and the triggers. I imagine that there is a way to like cap. I'm sure that there's a way to cap. Uh, you know how many uh, invocations you can take per month, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that there's a way that you can limit the runtime of a function. So if like you have yeah. let's say a recursive call, uh, you can say, um, you know, and and someone somehow put some parameters to that function that just ends up with like an infinite loop or something you can because you didn't write it in typescript yeah yeah you can (laughs) cap like how long um a function runs for which affects how much you're going to pay uh and i'm sure that you can cap like how many invocations you have but the point was if you have a small app and you're very price sensitive then you would be well off to just stick with uh, a digital ocean droplet that's like Hey, if I hit the front page of Reddit and I get a bunch of traffic, 
I'm still only going to pay $5 a month and maybe, maybe my, my server is going to roll over, you know, Mm -hmm. and just like die. Mm -hmm. But that kind of comes down to the business requirements or the business needs. Like if any of my apps get on the front page of Reddit, that's great, but it's not going to like the loss of traffic for downtime is not going to be a big cost for me relative to you know, a $23,000 AWS bill. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that a big problem with, uh, with like Firebase was, you know, it was really easy to set up and they had like a generous free tier, but like you step over that line, you're paying them lots of money. Yeah. I, I heard something like that. Yeah. Cool. Another big pro, this might be my last one is because you're dealing with these small kind of, one-off, should act really fast kind of functions. Um, they're small pieces of code. So very easy to come up with, test, and deploy. A lot of these tools have kind of embedded um, CLIs or go right into GitHub and will deploy stuff instantly for you. So you're, you're saying like with Netlify... Uh, if I push, like, my... Well, what what do you mean uh, when you say they'll, like, deploy instantly for you? Like, on every time you push mm-hmm. um, your project in any branch, right, it will take that code and be able to spin up a version of it that's deployed and live that you can actually test against. Um, I know, like, for example, Versal will do this, where you can say this is my kind of production that everybody sees branch, but then on every single push that anybody does, it comes up with a unique URL that you can use to test. So say you're working on this feature, another Lambda function is that feature. You want to see how they play together before you give it all away to the world. Um, and you can do that. And because you're only using that resource when you hit it, there's not like, oh, I need to set up a staging environment now. Yeah, that's a big plus. Like, I always think the very first thing to set up in a project is that continuous mm-hmm. delivery Definitely. that that's tied to Git. Like if you don't have that at this point, that's kind of like table stakes for me. <laughs> I've been do I was working on that, like setting that up today at work for a new project. And it's just like, once it's set up and done, it's so nice <laughs> that you just push up a new commit and it's deployed, but even better, like what you're saying is you push up a new commit or you make like a pull request and on any pull request, it like yes. triggers, you know, pulls the code for that pull request yep. and then uh, triggers a new build and puts that out onto some preview deployment. Oh, that's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super cool. I also think that um, some of the pros to serverless functions is a lot of them because like you can have each function will ha- will live at its own URL that you can hit, it actually makes uh, swapping them out relatively easy because mm. you just switch out of the URL. And so you can you can have an API that uh, is basically consists consists of different URLs, or I guess it's not an API. It's several different APIs that you're hitting that all have a single responsibility. And like any software that you write that follows the single responsibility principle, it means uh, at the same time that you have that deployed to production, you can deploy a version that is like a testing version that's going to be the new upgrade, and you can deploy that, and it doesn't interfere with the original API request or the original function. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you can just test out, and um, I think even like AWS has this feature where you can... Uh, start siphoning some of your traffic over to the new version hmm. and oh, yeah. like doing uh, canary rollouts mm-hmm. so that you can start with like, okay, let's say 10% of the traffic that go that is going originally going to this request, let's send it to this other version and let's see how that goes. And then you can up that to like 30%, 50%, 70%. And then when you're confident, you know, just swap out all of the traffic to that new uh, function. Yeah, I think that will be the future pretty soon when all these services start adding that because it's such a game changer. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, they used to require like a whole third-party service to handle that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, they had multiple environments and 
Yeah. All kinds of nonsense. Yeah. A lot of headache. Yeah. All right. So then so, what's bad about serverless? Oh, so much. It's disgusting. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's just sum it up. They don't do it. Like, just don't. No, but tell me how you really feel, oh, though. Oh, God, they're so gross. No, I'm into it. I think, I think they're good, uh, like, in, in, their, uh, in their right place, right? Like, uh, you, you were talking about, um, you know, the, so the, the versal way of doing this is you set up individual endpoints for, like, each kind of function. And I, when I first saw this, I'm like, oh, you could write, like, an entire, like, REST API on, like, using this same pattern. Like, you could, you could accomplish that. And then I'm, like, I start moving forward with this, and I'm like, ah, they're, they're stateless currently, and, like, this would end up being very, very bad. Um, if you're going to write an API, just write an API. Um, write a server. Like, that, 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 you, you need that level of control in some cases. So, like, uh, you, you give up a, a certain amount of control uh, when you're writing serverless functions, like you don't have any insight into mm. what is happening around your function. So like the infrastructure that's around it, uh, like you're, you're depending on your service to handle a lot of things that um, if you need insight into it, uh, you, you, you just don't have it. Um, so there's, there's that, um, which, you know, for control freaks, that, that might be like a, a no-go. Um, there's, there's issues with cold starts, this is this is something that uh, anybody who's ever used like Heroku's free tier, like when they don't want to pay them for dynos, like <laughs> me. Um, I honestly think fifteen bucks a month for like a low level dyno is ridiculous. Um, if that's what it is, I don't know if they've upped their prices to twenty bucks or whatever. Like, come on, man! Like, I'm not even using this thing. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Paid twenty bucks a month for my like, whatever. Okay, this is. <sighs> Neither here nor there. <laughs> I'm getting way too excited about something. So wait, wait. What what is what is a cold start? So a cold start is essentially you you ping a website, and instead of having an immediate response because that server is currently running, um, there's nothing running. It receives the ping. It has to start its server up. And then it will run your function. And so this is something that I think is limited to like free tier um, serverless functions. I don't think there are cold start issues if you're paying money. Uh, I know on on Zyte for Sell that never happens uh, when I'm paying them my pennies per execution. Um, everything uh, seems to be immediate for me. Um, however, you know, that's that platform. Uh, and that's all I'm familiar with there. There may be other problems. I, like, I think uh, generally if you're paying for stuff, you should demand that the response uh, happens when you ask for it. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I, I, I'm pretty big into the serverless stuff right now. And, you know, so with that uh, out there, I've seen some, some serverless enthusiasts saying that the cold start problem is essentially going to follow like well essentially it's going to be a, dimin a diminishing problem hmm. so investing in serverless today you will experience cold starts but as um, this technology continues to improve that problem is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller eventually disappear I don't have any facts or figures around it but that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, like the basic idea is that if you haven't run this function for a while and somebody pings it, it, it has to do all of the preliminary environment startup. Uh, so like we're starting up a VM and then we're, you know, starting up, uh, you know, uh, an instance of like Node or, you know, V8 to run JavaScript or like however they have their environment set up. And then we're loading your script and running that. Mm -hmm. So there, there are like time penalties with this that can, uh, in, in the case of like Heroku, like those cold starts uh, amount oh, yeah. to multiple seconds um, and can like, like you'll fail to get the website in, in certain instances. So in this particular case, um, I think we're talking differences in maybe, maybe hundreds of milliseconds. 
um, in in certain instances. So like, yeah, maybe we can call this a cold start issue, but if it's not creating like a failure scenario when my application talks to it, if it's just a small delay, um, I don't know if, if, if that kind of speed is, is an issue, I think, uh, maybe something wrong. I don't know. Maybe you're doing something more important than I ever do. <laughs> that could be the case. Uh, anyway, so that, that's cold starts. Uh, logging can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. So like, um, Versal makes this very easy. Netlify, um, also makes this very easy. I haven't done like raw AWS stuff. Uh, so I don't know what their environment is like for like getting access to the, the logs, like what is actually happening. Um, but logging can be, uh, like really, really difficult to know what you're looking at. For sure. Um, and like when, when I worked on this stuff, uh, like I haven't, I haven't worked on any of this stuff for a little while. Um, the documentation, uh, because it's so rapidly changing yeah. is sometimes not completely up to date. And so that can, that can like make things really crazy. Like they had changed versions of, uh, of like the server that they were using. Like they were, I don't remember what it was. And so like there, there was some like breaking change that was not documented at the time. And I was like, I have access to this thing and it had moved. And so (laughs) I was doing what the documentation said, but it was, uh, like no longer available. So I'm getting like this undefined uh, that should have never been there. Anyway, um, so like this, this also kind of leads into like you don't have a whole lot of insight into the other parts of the system, um, mm-hmm. as well as um, you know the environments that you're working in are not usually up to date. Like I know AWS is locked at what is it Node I think ten? They recently wow. added twelve. I oh could great, be wrong, they're up to they're not. Yeah. Okay, so oh Google Cloud is at Node mm-hmm. ten. Ten eighteen one. <sighs> I'm like I'm not impressed by that mm-hmm. at all. Um, I don't know if Python three six seven is unimpressive, um, but Node ten is yeah. not impressive. It's not even LTS. <laughs> uh, they're like barely staying deprecated. Come on, Google, you're better than this. Um, anyway, well they do yeah, have the cloud run, they, the Docker thing. So you could you yeah. could slap fourteen on there if you want. Maybe that's why they're doing it is they're like, oh, yeah, if you want, like, real node, like, <laughs> you have to just send us a container. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I do think some services will do that. Like, they will, they will uh, like, severely handicap or, <laughs> uh, like, yep. just not update one service to sell yeah, another. Just totally cripple. Here you go. You can have this little crinkly tinfoil server. Or you can have this yeah. fancy <laughs> platinum one. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, There's a difference in cost, yeah. but uh, that's what we do. Planned obsolescence. Mm. And it works yeah. Uh, perfectly. Um, yeah, I think that the, the logging stuff is really interesting, though. So there, there's, like, workarounds. Um, AWS, I know, has cloud formation or cloud... I don't know. They have some logging service. There's some that are, like, specific to... Um, AWS that are like third-party services but I think yeah it's really tough because of the nature of these servers well these functions being like ephemeral meaning Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like your function lives on the same server and then that server boots up and then boots down and the same server boots up for the next request it's like these functions can go all over to whatever server which means that if I were to log something to some server log and then you know, my function comes down and then I have another function or that, you know, the function comes up and I want it to read from the file that it wrote to that file no longer exists. Right. Right. I'm on a, I'm on a different server or it's just like, it's wiped out. Like the whole yeah. stateless thing is, uh, it's a challenge. Well, it's yeah. Like stateless in general is something that you have to build around. Like it's a concept that you have to architect into, whatever it is you're trying mm-hmm. to accomplish yeah. which is which is like a pain in the ass it's a hard way to think i think it's a um, different one way of the to think. I like it. biggest yeah. issues i yeah. i i so i kind of like it cuz it's like super neat and it's very like ooh this mm-hmm. is like functional functions yeah yeah like if you yeah if you're really into that mm-hmm. stuff i don't know i i think there's like enough of it um to to just drive yeah. you crazy 
Uh, I think you're right. It definitely. walks a very, very fine line where you need something, you can just easily spin it up, shoot it out, start testing it. But then you can get really easy into a situation where you have like a hundred functions all written in some weird language because you're like, oh, I want to try this thing out or some different style. And you can really easily code yourself into a, a tight corner. We keep talking about like you can you can spin this up and and put it out there. The lo- so one of the huge drawbacks that that I ran into repeatedly was the local development story on all of this is mm. just mm. not up to par, mm. um, and and it's it's essentially because. They, they, if you're going to test these things locally, you need to run whatever environment they're running it in locally, yeah. uh, which like partially they want to keep that uh, under wraps, which is understandable. Like they don't necessarily want to like, hand this off if they want to charge for a service. Uh, that makes sense to me. But also if I can't test this locally and I'm deploying it like repeatedly, um, that is suboptimal. As a developer, <laughs> um, yeah. I know Netlify has like uh, uh, some some local de- dev stuff that they were working on. Uh, it was not in great shape, to be totally honest. Um, mm-hmm. Last time I worked in Netlify, um, I'm pretty sure uh, Versal and Zite, like they were in the same place uh, last time I did this. So it was really just a matter of like typing out a bunch of times and, <laughs> and testing it while it was up there. <laughs> um, Luckily, like their documentation was super solid and very simple because they used, uh, I think, Micro for their server. So I was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I've used Micro before. So like this is not that hard. Um, so, yeah, like the, the local development story from, you know, six months ago or so was like not great. Hopefully it's improved. Yeah, I know local development for Cloudflare workers was kind of a pain. But they have this thing called uh, Rancher, if I want to say. Jolly they have, Rancher. They have like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have they have um, their own tooling, and that yeah, you're totally right that uh, these environment or these service providers have their own unique environment, which makes it kind of a pain if you want to switch between providers. Because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you could have your function, you know, your function that runs a certain way, but if you want it to run in Google their signature for your function to run expects, you know, request and response as the two parameters mm-hmm. that you have access to. And then if you wanted to deploy it to AWS, they have like uh, three parameters. And so right. it's yeah. like yeah. kind of a, kind of a challenge. So we have it recorded. You, you, you said I'm right. Oh, uh, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> Actually, AJ, you look like you had something, something to say. <laughs> Actually, in there. let's change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was going to get on to like the the deployment strategies cuz there's um oh, yeah. talk about like the serverless framework. Mm-hmm. But I think AJ, you look like you you had some you're shaking your head a bit. No, I was just uncomfortable in this seat. Oh. Okay. <laughs> So, so yeah, it, regarding like some of the some of the deployment strategy, there are these um, some of the providers that we talked about, um, or like these wrapping services like Netlify, Vers- is it Vercel or Versal? I just call it the Big V. Any v. Big V, the Big V. Uh, there's a comp- there's a provider called Begin. Like all three of these, they do a really good job. <laughs> We should maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> call it oh, the Big V. But call it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just want to keep calling them Zite, but I, don't I know. know. Zite was a really good name. I miss, yeah, it. I miss it so it much. It's easy to search for. Yeah, yeah. like nothing else yeah. is Zite. Mm-hmm. I guess well, Verso would be easy to search else for. Right? That's yeah, but there's nothing there yet. And anyway. if you have an issue, you have to search Zite now. But yeah, anyways, that's yes. true. Um, Begin Stuff. these three. These three do a good job of like just tying into your GitHub and then just deploying with each like new commit. Um, but what I've been using is Serverless.com. It's a serverless framework that it's supposed to be a framework around most of the major providers. So mm-hmm. all of the things that we listed: AWS, uh, GCP, Azure, IBM. Actually, I don't know about IBM, but Tencent. Knative, Alibaba Cloud, like all of these 
providers, they have most of the big ones. They have um, features for you to like write your code, and then you can deploy just about anywhere, and they'll handle that Ooh, for you. That's and awesome. it's not so straightforward. Like I, I've deployed to AWS and I've deployed to GCP, and it is a little bit different. But uh, they do a good job of of having a story around like how do I develop locally and they have a, a plugin to be able to like run the AWS like local environment on your machine that will handle your functions and, and this and that so there is a story around that it's probably not perfect but um, you know dev environment and deploy they do it's funny. I'm on. I keep using. I'm it. on their website right now, and I'm looking uh, like under product solutions. There's open source and pro. <laughs> like, yeah, they did. Um, they did an interesting thing where where they were just like an open source framework for a long time, and I think they just got into these pro offerings where it's like all of these hmm. issues that are around deployment and logging and making yeah. sure you know environment variables, all this stuff. Um, I don't know. Yeah. They, they're trying to solve it. That's cool. Yeah. So what, what do you all think is your ideal um, use case for serverless? And I grant, grant you're just going to say nothing. <laughs> Go with the server. <laughs> no, man. Give me a serverless function that buys me a... <laughs> a a digital ocean droplets. That's well. Here, let me let me uh, <laughs> let me log into my uh, my first cell account here and see what serverless functions I have running because I have some stuff, right? Oh, so here's <laughs> um, that needs to get shut down. That should be running. Um, so I built a serverless function to track feeding my baby. Um, it it did some something. Um, but the the number one uh, like serverless thing that I do is um, I have an endpoint that runs a spur on several different websites and returns JSON, um, just so I get like the latest data from some of my lo- my favorite local coffee roasters. Which I actually need to update this. Um, yeah, it's more than a year old, or it's just about a year old. Um, so yeah, man, like I'm I'm old school fan of uh, serverless stuff. But like if you need something to happen. Uh, live, like to execute code live, like running a scraper, which is borderline illegal. Uh, there's a couple of these sites that blocked uh, <laughs> that blocked my my function. Mm. Um, I'm kind of proud of that for no apparent reason. Um, it's it's useful um, in those like limited uh, avenues. So yeah, that's my ideal use case is, is coffee. What are the so the boundaries around limited are kind of basic actions like get data, give me back data, small cases that you can just say, oh, I want to do this X number of times a week, for example, right? Is that you're saying where the how the boundary works? Well, it's so where like timed events are difficult. Like that's a whole other thing mm-hmm. that I really wish was like baked into this was like cron jobs to, to do this stuff. Cause that would make them infinitely more mm-hmm. useful. But from my understanding, these are all like on demand. Well, you, you, you can't have a cron job without a server running. Well, so <laughs> in, in the case of the crop, the coffee scraper, I have a con, a, a cron job, mm-hmm. uh, of something that just pings that endpoint and that, uh, at the end of that scraper's uh, job, it just updates a database. And so instead of pinging that a bunch of times, but that, that's the point is that I want the freshest data. I don't want data that was scraped yesterday. I want to know if they just roasted uh, some amazing Central American coffee that's like super bright and fruity. I want to get down there immediately and buy it. I don't want this like, you know, somebody else found it uh, before I did because, you know, I decided to build a database around it. It's silly. Databases. Gosh. Um, To answer your question, Austin, I kind of agree with Grant where, you know, I think that it's not a mistake. They're called Lambda functions and they take a very functional programming approach. 
like given the same input, you should expect the same output. And this is just kind of a next level concept of that, of something that's interactive at that scale. Um, and with those ideologies. And that as you get more complicated into things that are doing multiple things, that um, is going to start to break down and possibly get too difficult to juggle. Yeah, you start getting into like a, a waterfall effect where it's like you have one function responsible for something that then needs yeah. to like call another function or something mm -hmm. like, you know, which you then what's called relies like on functions. Yeah. Relies on off or like another really function. fatty functions. Yeah. Gotta slim that function down. Yeah, but well, <laughs> see, the, the kind of the, I think the response to that is like, let's say we have a new user created, right? We need to do a few things. We need to um, send them an email. Maybe we want to notify like a Slack thing. Maybe, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, right. Send an email is the best example, right? Um, I think the response is actually to take, like, to, to turn things the other way around where rather than having a request that adds the user to the database and then sends them an email, I think a lot of serverless architecture will say like build like an event-driven architecture. So you have the user is created and anytime the user is created, then the, the, uh, the database triggers the cascade of other events. So rather than hmm. having one function that triggers all of these like five in a row you have on user create trigger these five unrelated right. functions and that's again that's the challenge of if a function depends on another what do you do but if they're unrelated so you have a user created and all i need to do is send to an email address well i send the new user email template and i put in the user object right yeah so yeah, I don't know. It's, I like that way it's, looking at it. It's interesting. Um, I think I think you're both right. Uh, so DynamoDB does so like out of the box. DynamoDB ex exactly matches what you're talking about with Lambda triggers. Yeah, yeah. DynamoDB yeah. streams an AWS Lambda trigger. That is so sick. Oh, <laughs> that's just. Oh, it's like somebody thought about that and like built a thing. <laughs> oh. DynamoDB is really cool and also like I love it and I hate it at the same time. <laughs> it seems it seems like you struggle with it and I, I bet do. it's tough. Yeah, I bet like if you got smart. comfortable with it, no man, like see the, that's the problem with a lot of this stuff is people are like, ah, like you got to be smart to use this stuff. Uh so like AWS has people that they pay money to to make sure that their products are well received. Um like Hit them up on uh, on Twitter. I think, uh, hmm. if I'm not wrong, Kurt Kempel uh, does this for AWS. Ooh, name dropping. Yeah, I think that's what he does. Blotting out those name drops. Yeah. And he seems like so, a cool guy. I don't know. So I have a good example of, like, we, we, we basically do as much as we can serverless at work. Hmm. Um, so I have some experience. Of pros and cons we have like a, a really good example is if i want to do any sort of image manipulation i can send an image to mm. uh, a serverless function and it can get me back give me back uh, an optimized version or maybe do like some data analysis on it and you know like run it through machine learning and say hey this is this is how many people are in that image right um and that's a good example of of very bound context uh, on the flip side, we also have user authentication that we have for our application. So if it's like I have an image, but it's it's you know I want to make sure it's an image that only I have access to, mm -hmm. um, then I need to do some sort of like authentication to make sure that my user account has access to the image that I'm trying to analyze or blah blah blah. And that story gets gets pretty difficult, but you can get around that a little bit with things like uh, with JWTs or some sort of like stateless um, data that you can send across requests. But anyway, this is this has been a, a really good good talk. Um, I think we're probably probably getting close to wrapping up. So um, either of you have uh, some last notes you want to share on on serverless? I I think it's great. Uh 
it's a great platform for like a weekend project. Uh, it lends itself very well to like, ah, I want to like do a little thing and like you can do it because it's, uh, it's like this, the extension of, uh, what's it called? Uh, 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 microservices. It's like nano services. I don't know. I feel like you're, that was incredibly condescending to people to do serverless. No, it's like you break down enterprise level. Your little weekend project. No, I, get, I know what you're saying. It's like yeah. weekend, like weekend, weekend prod, weekend projects are a really good uh, opportunity to introduce yourself to. No, I mean they're only they're only good use case no, is <laughs> weekend <laughs> projects. You heard me right. I'm trying to be a jerk here. If you need to do, wow, dude, <laughs> you you read deep into that. I did not mean it that way. Mm. It's funny. Yeah, that no, was funny. Mm. Put me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> AJ, you got any uh, final thoughts you want to throw in? Yeah, just keep doing it. <laughs> just keep doing it. We are not going to hear from Nike at all. Yeah, <laughs> just keep that. doing. Yeah, that's like yeah, Nike, Nike, just do it. Well, this is the functional call. Just keep doing just it. Just keep doing it. They're not related at all. Cool. Well, let's move into uh, sweet selections. Sweet Ooh. selections. Oh, <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> uh, Grant, you get to you get to hit us up with your first one. Oh man, here's here's my my sweet selection. It is an Alice layout keyboard, uh, hmm. which nobody else Ooh. can see uh, on the call, but yeah. it is like an ergonomic layout. And so I've tried other ergonomic keyboards. I have like wrist problems, not from working, but from playing video games. Um, this, this started way back when I had uh, a Nintendo entertainment system. Um, and so I've like looked for ergonomic keyboards that work and don't take forever to learn. This is like immediate duck to water um, level easy and it also feels great on my wrists i've tried the ergo docs that thing is wild it's super cool if you can get it set up right but it takes a work to get it set up right um but yeah if you can if you can find an alice layout keyboard uh they are they're a thing to behold it it kind of looks like a decepticon found a keyboard and it's like <laughs> that's what i'm disguising myself as that's crazy i'm gonna name it starscream <laughs> <laughs> I've always been curious about those uh, ergonomic ones, but I don't know. They're, like, I feel like if you get used to it and then you just, like, borrow someone's computer or, like, go and type <laughs> anywhere else, your fingers are going to be totally off. That's the cool thing about the Alice layout is that it's it's just a little bit off, and mm. it's where your fingers naturally lay. So, like, I can touch type on it immediately, and when I go to my, my MacBook keyboard or I swap out to another keyboard it doesn't feel natural. Like it doesn't, mm. it does, it, and that's a problem that I had with the Ergo Docs was like, once I learned to type on that, typing on another keyboard felt like you're saying, like it felt bad. Uh, th this thing is a changer. Yeah. Have you seen those ones that are like two completely separate? Yeah, units? that's what the Ergo Docs is. Those are wild. Yeah, the Ergo Docs is yeah, like that, and you can tent it so that like you can have your hands at like an angle, I'm yeah. trying to put my hands so in the have, frame you here. You can like Full. wear them as headphones and then just type. Yeah, like you ears. can keep them on your head. <laughs> it's fantastic. If you really like the sound of your typing, just like fasten them to your head. <laughs> I was like, uh, put it onto your belt and just kind of walk around your computer typing as you're walking in. Thinking. For sure. Yeah, like uh, or like a chest plate. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> AJ, you got any sweet selections? Yes, I have an awesome one. It's a Dometic fridge. So I got this because I'm planning <laughs> on doing some van life and living in uh, the van. This isn't because your fridge and broke yesterday? Yeah, so yesterday my fridge broke, and luckily I had this high-efficiency, able-to-freeze-stuff, tiny refrigerator that was able to save all my frozen goods and some of my perishables in. So, so is it like, uh, like, a, like a top lid kind of thing? Yep, exactly. So it opens like a chest, but you plug it in, um, it can get really cold. And then basically the idea is you unplug it overnight when you don't really want to use more energy and it stays really cold. You can set it to be, I think, at least negative 20 Celsius, maybe more. So, yeah. And it's 
Very low power. It's pretty cool. <laughs> if I had a chest fridge that opens from the top like that, I would I would connect it to some little audio device that plays the the Legend of Zelda, Zelda sound whenever you <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You should totally do that when Kato when Kato's like not aware. Yeah. Or not Ooh, yeah. Just like hook that up mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah surprise her with it. There's my IoT project. Yeah, you could yeah. set it up with like a lambda function to like select the sound <laughs> from the cloud. Oh man! Oh man! I would eat so much food. Oh. Just like open the fridge, burp, 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 th- pull out like a chicken drumstick or something. I think the fridge has an app, and it and it does communicate. That's uh, <laughs> it I'm communicates. <laughs> cool. Uh, I'm gonna say my sweet selection is I'm gonna go with uh, PBS.org. Actually, I think. Uh, I think a while back I picked the Great British Baking Show, and we ran out of episodes that we could find online. And apparently, like PBS.org has them, <laughs> so we've been just like binge watching that. But um, they're pretty cool. If you do a donation, then you have a membership, so you get to donate mm-hmm. to a, a nonprofit that's like pretty cool and educational based. But once you're a member, they have so much content on there like so much really interesting stuff about arts or science or society or politics or food and just like yeah their their library of shows and and content is is really really cool if you like to nerd out or watch baking they they have (laughs) nova right they have nova yeah oh Oh, man oh my favorite thing about science class Yeah. yeah nova yeah, it's it's not as good as like they have like the the knockoff like Planet Earth stuff, which doesn't <laughs> have David Attenborough's amazing voice. But that's my other. I'm pick. not super. My yeah, other pick is like, David Attenborough. <laughs> Just that, anything that he voices yeah, over is, his voice. is yeah, good. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. Did he do the he did the the Netflix ones that they did right the the Blue Planet Blue Planet Yeah. Mm. Cool. Watch PBS. Yeah, PBS. Get a too. get a deep freezer for all of the body parts that you need to yeah. freeze, and, and, and uh, keep your wrists protected. Yeah, look out for that RSI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, thank you all for joining us, uh, Grant. You had some very big opinions this time, not itty bitty ones. So, <laughs> thank you for your your big opinions. Itty bitty like cloud functions. <laughs> like, tiny, tiny cloud functions. Uh, AJ, insightful as always. Thank you for being here and and, and uh, blessing us with your presence. And yeah, I didn't do. I feel blessed. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll just I'll thank myself for just being here and having. Yeah, because nobody else is gonna do it. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll thank myself for for hitting record. <laughs> oh man. All right. The function call was edited, mixed, and mastered by Kato Zane. See her work at katonoise.com. For show notes, other episodes, and more information about the show, visit our website at thefncall.com.